guys. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. In this big blue marble we call planet Earth, what is going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It's the weekend, right on. So, before I get started, let me just tell you something about what had happened over here. So, it was about 5.30, 6 in the morning, and I was, luckily I was just getting up. What we have in our in my apartment complex is these smoke detectors or these fire alarms that are hardwired into each unit and i guess it, it the it goes to some sort of central call center or whatever the heck it is i don't know anyhow each apartment has these these hardwired alarms and this morning we were reminded of that um, the alarm had went off and everybody in my particular building um, came out and was wondering what the hell was going on. People just half-dressed in their pajamas. It was just a whole scene. And to top it off, we have a storm blowing through, and everybody's getting soaked. Because these alarms are just super fucking loud. I mean, they are really, really loud. And this had happened once before where the alarm would just randomly go off. And it happened about a couple of years ago when I moved in. And literally, I had to, you know, take the cable, or I mean, take the wire off of this alarm to turn it off so it would never do it again. Because it, it, it will go off randomly. Like, if there's a storm going by or something, I don't know what triggers it. But at first, I thought it was a prank somebody was doing. But it seems, I don't, I, I really don't know what, what caused it to go off. But anyhow, I had to disconnect that goddamn thing. And uh, the first time I disconnected it, management got on my ass about doing that and said it was illegal and all this shit, and I had to reconnect it. And, uh, well, it went off again today. Early this morning, I mean, everybody got a wake-up call. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm kind of groggy right now, trying to put it all together. Ugh. All right, well, let's get this started. I got a couple of things. A couple of stories I wanted to tell you about. And also, I want, let me give you an update also. This broke yesterday. And since you're hearing this on Friday, it's probably old news to you. I don't know. But just in case you don't know, this is coming from, real quickly, this is coming from Fox 13, Tampa Bay in Florida. And it's an update on that whole Brian Laundrie situation. They found him. And, uh, well, take a listen. We do have some breaking news right now in Northport. The FBI has confirmed that Brian Laundrie is dead and the human remains found in the woods yesterday are his. Fox 13 Stan Maddox is following all the developments tonight live from the park with some new information. Okay, I know this just uh, was released just a few minutes ago, Dan. That's right, Kelly. The FBI confirming really what a lot of us had suspected since yesterday. They tweeted out at 539 this afternoon, this evening, put out a tweet the FBI did from Denver, their Denver office, saying a comparison of dental records confirmed that the human remains found at the reserve are those of Brian Laundrie. Meanwhile, the search for additional remains continues here at the reserve. You know, I was just thinking, now a lot of people already Again, this was this was uh, reported yesterday. This particular report, um, I just seen on the news this morning. There doesn't seem to be any changes on any updates, but um, why would there be? Right? <laughs> I mean, the guy's dead. But what's weird about this is is the fact that they had found a backpack and and some other stuff of his, 
and they they say that all they found were just bones. And well, let's just continue real quick. I, I'm thinking first off, I think he might have been fell victim to an alligator or something like that, or a crocodile. I, I forget which one's in in Florida. I think it's a crocodile, or is it the alligator? I get it confused. Anyhow. Cadaver dogs were back at the nature preserve Thursday, which may indicate the human remains that were found Wednesday might be scattered. Our thoughts and prayers are with Gabby and the families here. This is tragic. Yesterday, the FBI found Brian Laundrie's backpack and notebook near unidentified human remains. The FBI had not been able to search the area where the remains were found until now because it had been underwater. Today, when I walked back there, I got to see firsthand the treacherous conditions that they were working on. We're talking about water levels up above almost a chest area. Rattlesnakes, moccasins, alligators. Brian's parents were not at the preserve Thursday after leaving. Okay, alligators. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of, alligators. That's crazy, man. I mean, this is in the Everglades. I mean, there's always water down there. There's all kinds of shit in the Everglades. Yeah, he had no chance of survival. No way. Leaving the day before, noticeably upset, the family attorney says there is a high probability the human remains that were found are Brian's. I'm, I'm just still thinking about Gabby, not even Brian. Gabby. Jane Kornberger lives five miles away from the nature preserve and joined a group of people here waiting for answers. She was upset when some law enforcement who aren't leading the investigation stood in front of cameras without any real new information. Complete disappointment. They came out to say they were working in treacherous conditions, which we knew. We've known that for a month. The Laundry family reported Brian missing on September 17th after he left their home five days earlier. Brian remains a person of interest in the death of his fiance, Gabby Petito, whose body was found strangled in Wyoming following their month-long road trip out west. Okay, so there you go. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole report, but there are some questions, you know, I have. I, I still go back to the whole thing with the van. I mean, how did they get that van? I've I seen some timeline where they had started off in New York or something like that and made their cross-country journey. So did they rent that van? Whose van was that in the first place? But then again, he drove it back to his home in Florida. I'm just trying to figure out why they had started the timeline of this whole thing in New York. That's what kind of puzzles me. But I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point, unfortunately. So there's an update on that whole mess. Um Big tragedy, I mean, for everybody involved. I mean, Gabby didn't win. Brian didn't win. Their their families didn't win. Nobody's going to go to court. Nobody's going to be held accountable for this. It, it's just a tragedy all around. And, uh, yeah, my prayers go out to the families and friends, man. It, it's just crazy. The whole thing is kind of crazy how, how this transpired. What I want to know, though, is are they going to continue looking at the laundries, you know, because didn't they help their son go into hiding? At least that's what they were saying, but I don't know. We'll see how that plays out, but yeah, it's a tragedy nonetheless. All right, well, let me take a pause here. Let's get this thing started. I got a busy Friday. I got a lot I got going on this week because it's going to be a stormy Wednesday around here, and I'm just going to be swamped trying to get everything done between bands of rain. 
We're going to get hit left and right like crazy this weekend. So I got to get ready and get prepared. So with that, I'll be right back right after this pause. Okay, here's something that just broke this morning. Very strange stuff. This is a story. It's involving Alec Baldwin, the actor. I guess he was shooting a movie or something. And it says, Prop gun fired by Alec Baldwin in fatal shooting contained live round. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was wondering what the hell this was all about. Let, let's get into this one. The prop gun Alec Baldwin used in the accidental shooting that killed a cinematographer on his upcoming movie, Rust, was wounded. The director reportedly contained a live round. A union that covers Prop Masters sent an email to its members Friday morning in which it said, quote, A single live round was accidentally fired on the set by the principal actor, unquote, according to the Indie Wire. Anthony Pollock, secretary-treasurer of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees Local 44, wrote that the bullet struck, quote, both the director of photography, Local 600 member Anya Hutchins, Hutchins and director Joel Souza, the site reported. Local 44 has confirmed that the props, set decoration, special effects, and construction departments were staffed by New Mexico crew members. There were no Local 44 members on the call sheet, the email cited by IndieWire added. On Thursday night, the International Cinematographers Guild said in a statement, quote, We received the devastating news this evening that one of our members, Hanya I hope I pronounced that right. Hanya Hutchins, the director of photography on a production called Rust in New Mexico, died from injuries sustained on the set. Quoting, the details are unclear at this moment, but we are working to learn more and we support a full investigation into this tragic event. This is a terrible loss and we mourn the passing of a member of our guild's family, it added. Sousa's reps confirmed to Deadline on Friday morning that the 48-year-old filmmaker was released from Christus St. Vincent Regional Medical Center in Santa Fe. A distraught Baldwin repeatedly asked why he was given a hot gun, a firearm with live ammunition, after his prop weapon discharged on his New Mexico film set Thursday at Bonanza Creek Ranch in Santa Fe. Quoting, in all my years, I've never been handed a hot gun, the actor allegedly kept saying, and eyewitness told Hollywood gossip site Showbiz 411. The film set was set was sent into lockdown and production was halted immediately after the accidental double shooting, which unfolded about 2 p.m. Thursday. Detectives are investigating how and what type of projectile was discharged, the sheriff's office said in a statement. No charges were filed as of late Thursday and detectives are still interviewing witnesses. Wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, this kind of reminds me of a story. What was it? Uh... It was uh, um, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, didn't he have a situation where he was handed a prop gun or something like that? Or somebody was handed a prop gun and it was supposed to have a dummy round in it and it had a live round. And that's what killed Bruce Lee. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm wrong, go ahead and leave me a comment. I, I can take it <laughs> if I'm wrong. But it does kind of remind me of that. I remember a story similar to that. And uh, yeah, and it does show Baldwin. There's a picture of him. He's got he's got his cell phone in his hand. He looks a little he looks distraught. He looks messed up. He's got a cell phone in hand, his mask in hand. And uh yeah, wow. 
So this is just breaking. I'm sure it's going to unfold as the day goes on. We'll find out a little bit more about that. So there you go. Alec Baldwin, I, I would assume, accidentally shot somebody, some staff members on his uh, movie set. Okay, and like I said, that whole Alec Baldwin thing is going to unfold throughout the day. Just as I got done editing that segment, another story just pops up, and I'm going to get corrected on what I said in my last segment about Bruce Lee falling victim to a, a, a bullet. Uh, it wasn't him. It was Brandon Lee, you know, the guy from The Crow, the movie The Crow. That's who I was thinking of. It was his son, I believe. So anyhow, uh, Brandon Lee's family speaks out after Alec Baldwin fatal shooting. And quickly, it says, in the aftermath of Alec Baldwin's fatal shooting of a cinematographer with a prop gun on a set in, in New Mexico, the family of actor Brandon Lee, who was killed by a blank round in 1993, said, quote unquote, no one should ever die while filming a movie. That's who I was thinking of. It was Brandon Lee. It was Bruce Lee's son. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, I stand corrected. And quickly, they just say, our hearts go out to the family of Halnia Hutchins and to Joel Souza and all involved in the incident on Rust. No one should ever be killed by a gun on a film set, period. Read a statement on Lee's official Twitter account after the shooting by Baldwin. Hutchinson, 42, the director of photography on the Western drama, was killed. And Sousa, 48, the director, was wounded at the filming location at Bonanza Creek Ranch in Santa Fe, according to the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Department. Sources told TMZ that either shrapnel or a bullet struck the two workers. No charges were filed as of late Thursday, and detectives were still interviewing witnesses. And it goes on about the crow. Uh, yeah, that was, man, that was a long time ago. 93, I'm surprised I still remember that, <laughs> to be honest with you. But there you go. So, yeah, immediately the Lee family jumped out at that. It says here, in the 1993 incident, 28-year-old Brandon was killed while filming The Crow in North Carolina when a prop gun that was actual, was an actual revolver was loaded with improperly made 44 caliber dummy rounds one of which got lodged in the barrel and was discharged by a blank cartridge. Huh, that's a little detail I did not know. Thursday's shooting drew a flood of reactions by celebrities and industry figures, including actor Elijah Wood, saying, Absolutely horrifying and devastating news about our cinematographer Hanya Hutchins. My heart goes out to her and her family, he said in a tweet. Paul Shear, star of the FXFXX series The League, said he was gutted. Quoting, this is beyond a tragedy and there are so many rules in place to make sure this can't happen. I can't even fathom how this is possible. So many people had to be negligent. This is a crime. Hanya was a tremendous talent. I'm sick to my stomach, he wrote on Twitter. Actress Deborah Messing defended Baldwin. Her former co-star saying he was handed the prop gun, quoting, he used it in the scene. Then a catastrophic event happened where Hanya Hutchins lost her life and Joel Souza was injured. I am praying for all their families, she wrote. Uh, filmmaker Amy Berg called the shooting an absolute nightmare. And you know what's kind of interesting about this? That Brandon Bruce Lee, that's what it is. He has a Twitter account. I mean, does a dead person have a Twitter account? I'm not too sure. Unless this is 
another family it can't be another family member <laughs> but how does a how does a if brandon lee is dead how does he have a twitter account that's verified that's the strangeness But I guess the the family of Brandon Lee is running that Twitter account. But I don't know. That's just kind of weird. Um, it says, quoting, we, are, we lost a rising star female cinematographer, Hanya Hutchins, she wrote. Incredibly concerning that a DP and director would be in the line of fire during a weapons dis- discharge on the set. Also, the idea that an actor was handed a weapon without full knowledge of the type of rounds loaded in it is, if true, super alarming, Berg said in another tweet. Uh, horror film director Mike Flanagan said, His heart breaks for the family and friends of Hanya Hutchins. This is just horrifying and devastating news. Yeah, so there's the update. So that I just kind of wanted to clarify the whole Bruce Lee, Brandon Lee thing. It was Brandon Lee that I was speaking of, so I stand corrected again. <laughs> okay, so there's the update. Um... My thoughts and prayers definitely go out uh, to these family members. I, I hate hearing about tragedies like this. It's just, I don't know. I, I have a feeling we're going to hear a lot more about this as the investigation continues. So we'll just have to stay tuned in and see what happens. Okay, guys, so what I wanted to do was share some more of Libs of TikTok. Actually, just one tweet that they put out. It's it's crazy. It's a video where a school board member doesn't like what he hears from a parent and decides he's going to get up and snap at the guy and looks like he's going to go and punch the parent in the face, literally. But what I'm going to do here, Libs of TikTok, they put out, it looks like a news report, a local news report, um, describing what is happening. So let's go ahead and take a listen and find out what's going on here. Tonight at 6 o'clock, another Indiana school board meeting turned hostile over one of these mask mandates. This one taking place at Shenandoah Schools in Henry County. Tonight, our Rich Nye shows us what happened there and when name-calling caused a school board member to go after a parent in the crowd. A Shenandoah parent gave a short presentation about oxygen levels for kids wearing masks that turned into an argument with a school board member. The father, seated with his back to us in this video, Look called this. Assistant Secretary Alan Troxell an idiot. What? What'd you say? Alan. Look at him. Now, just in case you guys are listening, uh, the school board member, the parent is the guy that's sitting down with his back to you. That's the parent right there, closest to the camera. Uh, the guy, the gentleman, the other gentleman that's standing up in the picture is a school resource officer, whatever, and he's stopping the school board member from, I guess, getting engaging in some fight. The school resource officer restrained Troxel and made the parent leave the meeting. Troxel stayed, but his tirade continued. Look at him. Not gonna sit here and be called an idiot. 
Now, what he just did was, I guess he was putting some stuff in a manila manila envelope. And again, that's for the podcasters. He, I guess the lady that was sitting next to him, she's had said something to him that triggered him. And he takes his paperwork and he slams it on the table (laughs) like a baby. By some dumb... I tried but could not contact the school. (laughs) Let me play that back so we get a a gist of exactly what he was saying there. And be called an idiot by some dumb... I tried, but could not contact the school board. Is the parent really dumb? I mean, he's just asking a question about, you know, what a child's oxygen intake is, you know, with wearing masks. If, is it dangerous? You know, are they worried about that? I don't see a problem with the parent. This guy, for some reason, he's just unhinged. Remember Tuesday, the superintendent says action will be taken. Many, many wrongs and one that we will take care of. He will definitely receive something from our school board president. But the bottom line is the school board member knows that his actions were not representative of membership and representing Shenandoah schools. The parent, Jason Greer, is asking for the immediate resignation of the school board member, Alan Troxell. Absolutely. And if that doesn't happen, Greer says he'll seek legal counsel. Absolutely. Greer's wife is the woman at the podium who also spoke against the mask mandate. People say, go to the meetings and show your support and let your voices be heard. And then you get there and you're almost attacked by a board member and you're ridiculed and mocked and you know they laugh under their breath let me tell you something right off the top if i was that parent and this guy would have came up at me i mean god bless that parent man this guy the parent does not even look like a domestic terrorist you know who looks like a domestic terrorist the school board member that's jumping up out of his seat because he's so unhinged you shut up when I'm talking to you. You shut your mouth. That's a domestic terrorist right there. I'm just saying, man. And let me tell you something. If I was that parent, God bless him, for being as calm as he was, if that guy would have came charging at me like that, I would have probably jumped out of my seat and said, okay, I'm going to turn your baby blue mask purple. You know what I'm saying? He would have gotten knocked. That old dude would have gotten knocked straight up. Especially if you're just, you're not doing nothing more than just asking a question about your child's safety. It's not a way that it should be handled. The meeting continued and the school board extended the mask mandate through January 10th. (laughs) That's just crazy, man. That is absolutely crazy. Um, I'm just going to end it with this. The parent did nothing wrong. The school board member is a total nutcase he should be he shouldn't be around children he shouldn't even have any type of affiliation with schools he doesn't have the temperament uh to operate a school or any schools for that matter so yeah again the real terrorists the real domestic terrorists you just seen it that's an example of it again i'm just gonna put it out there cameras in the classrooms gotta push that all right, following up on that whole Dave Chappelle Netflix thing. Um, let me move this over here. I guess he has a message for some of those protesters, some of the people, the, 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 the tranny group or whatever you want to call them. The cabal, <laughs> okay? Uh, he just says right here, this is uh, from the Post. And quickly, I'll, I'll try to be quickly. It's kind of long. I'll try to jump through it. 
Uh, just says Dave Chappelle said he's willing to sit down with Netflix employees who organized a company walkout earlier this week in protest of a controversial jokes he made in his comedy special, The Closer. In the show released earlier this month, the irreverent funny man declared quote-unquote gender is a fact and identified himself as a TERF or trans-exclusionary radical feminist, God, sparking immediate backlash, including from Netflix employees who walked off the job on Wednesday. Don't these people work from home anyway? What do they do? Walk out their front door and then walk back in? <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, at least the Netflix employees here in the Bay Area, most of them are working from home, so I don't know. Chappelle would be open to dialogue if Netflix employees reach out to him for a heart-to-heart -heart discussion, his representative told TMZ. But no one from Netflix or the employee group that led the staff walkout has contacted Chappelle or his team about setting up a meeting. The comedian's camp reportedly said, disputing what the transgender woman who organized the walkout's claims. Ashley Marie Preston said Wednesday that she invited Chappelle to join protesters at Netflix Los Angeles headquarters. Quoting, I invited Dave Chappelle to have a transformative dialogue about the harm that was committed. She told reporters he chose not to show up. You know, I have not seen this, but I have heard from a lot of people on TV, as well as one of my friends, actually, that he does some sort of, uh, he does some sort of rant about, uh, I guess he has a friend that's transgender who had lost her life, and I guess he went on some sort of 15-minute discussion about it, and from my understanding is there was nothing negative whatsoever in regards to the trans transgender community or this friend of his. So I don't know what this is all about, but it seems like these people are just unhinged. And, and if they speak of the word transgender, then he must be a homophobe or something like that. I guess that's what they get out of it. I don't know. It just sounds like a cancel culture type of bullshit. That's what it comes off to me, so... Uh, Chappelle's camp said they're not sure why Marie Preston made those claims. She did not immediately return the post's request for comment. The show Chappelle's sixth and final Big Bucks deal with Netflix was quickly blasted as transphobic by critics. In a statement issued Wednesday amid the walkout, Netflix sought to strike a concili conciliatory tone. <laughs> okay, my apologies. Uh, quoting, we value our trans colleagues and allies and understand the deep hurt that's been caused, a Netflix spokesperson said in a statement. Quoting, we respect the decision of any employee who chooses to walk out and recognize we have much more work to do within Netflix and in our content work. You know, I always hear that. You always hear that. We have so much work to do. What is this work? <laughs> Every, everything they talk about is they need to do more work. <laughs> What's this work? Um, <laughs> that's crazy. The company later said Field was suspended, not for the tweets, but instead for bargaining in on an executives only meeting along with two others. Field has since been reinstated after finding there was no ill intent in her attendance, she posted. My understanding, and from the video I've seen, I've only seen probably about maybe a couple dozen people protesting there, and the rest were just media. In fact, I think there was more media than there was these people, these nut jobs. I don't know. Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos had stuck by the company's decision to host the show, but admitted earlier this week that he screwed up in the way he communicated this, the decision to company staff. In emails to Netflix staff earlier this month amid the backlash, Sarandos 
who's also the company's chief content officer, said the company would not take down the show. Quoting, what I should have led with in those emails was humanity, Sarandos told the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday. Quoting, I should have recognized the fact that the group of our employees was really hurting. <laughs> They're not hurting. They're lucky they got a job. And, and, and most of these people, again, they work from home. So they're not hurting. I, I hardly believe they are hurting. If you don't like what Dave Chappelle's got to say, just turn the goddamn thing off. I mean, come on. Grow up. <laughs> Seriously, people. Uh, the guy goes on to say, we have articulated to our employees that there are going to be things you don't like. Quoting, there are going to be things that you might feel are harmful, but we are trying to entertain a world with varying tastes and varying sensibilities and various beliefs. And I think this special was consistent with that, he added. Yeah, I mean, come on. You get a, what, a couple of dozen loudmouths and, and all of a sudden you're going to change your whole, you know, content of your, uh, of your business? <laughs> I just tell those people, you know, if you've got a problem, check it out. The unemployment office is what? Two blocks to the left. You know what I mean? Damn, Daniel. Grow the fuck up. These people, man. These these unhinged, woke people, man. They, they just get on my nerves. Seriously, man. And it finishes up by saying, stand-up comedy is designed to stir up emotions, he said, adding that sometimes inclusion, inclusion. and artistic expression bump into each other. Despite the controversy, The Closer is currently in the top 10 most popular Netflix shows in the U.S., and it was as high as number three earlier this week. Part of the comedy special featured Chappelle's recounting of his friendship with late trans comedian Daphne Dorman, whose family described Chappelle's as an LGBTQ ally. Netflix representatives did not immediately return the post request for comment on Chappelle's offer for of a sit-down. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. You know, Netflix is not going to take a few dozen people's angst and, and change their whole business model just for these people, these loudmouths. Because that's what all these people are. They're just loudmouths looking, to, you know, if you don't do what we say, we're going to cancel you out. We'll make you feel, you know, we'll, we'll ruin your business. You know, and some of these corporations, they fall for that shit. And now you just turn, you would turn off your, your whole customer base if you just listen to a few loudmouths, you know. And Netflix, I got my opinions. I got rid of Netflix with that whole cuties thing. But, you know, now, I mean, I mean, at this point, Netflix is a big business. And, you know, I'm not going to, I wouldn't change my whole business model for a few dozen loudmouths. I'm just saying. So, you know, good for Netflix for standing up against this bullshit. <laughs> Okay, all you sickos, I got something for you. It says, right here, Washington State Local News airs 13-second porn clip during weather forecast. Uh, it does have video. I'm not going to play it. It's actually, it, it says it's explicit content, but when they play the video of, of the weather person, doing a report and at the corner it's just blurred out you really can't see anything anyway but it is kind of funny i'll leave a link so you guys can check it out for yourself if you care to but i'm not going to put a video out for it 
but it is funny nonetheless. And it just says, it was a cloudy with a chance of some booty on a Washington State TV station whose weather forecast was accompanied by a raunchy porn video during an evening newscast. CBS affiliate KREM2 in Spokane was left red-faced over the footage, which appeared to show a woman's backside behind meteorologist Michelle Boss as she delivered the weather report Sunday evening, Adweek reported. Neither Boss nor anchor Cody Proctor <laughs> Proctor uh, reacted to the clip, which aired about 13 seconds before the news outlet cut to the weather map, according to the report. Let me hold on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little immature-minded, but you know, it, it, it's a it's a porn of of a woman's backside, and uh, I don't know. The guy's name is Proctor. I don't know. That's just maybe that that's just my immaturity. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. The temperature raising incident was enough to get the Spokane Police Department's especially victims unit involved to probe possible criminality. Spokeswoman Julie Humphreys told the Spokane Review. It does show the picture, and, and again, there's nothing to see, but it is directly behind her. I don't know how that got, that's kind of weird, how they let that go. <laughs> it took 13 seconds, though, that's pretty funny. Um, the police said that the incident generated numerous calls from concerned citizens in the city and county at the time of this release. The investigation is ongoing, and no culpability of any kind has been determined, police said in a statement. A VP at KREM's parent company said the station has apologized for, <laughs> for the incident. Quoting, we apologize to our viewers last night during our 11 p.m. newscast. Those of us here at KREM, too, want to apologize for something that happened in our 6 p.m. Newsca newscast tonight, said Ann Bentley, the chief communications officer at TEGNA. -E I guess it's, it's an acronym. It just spells TEGNA, Tegna, whatever that is. Quoting further, an inappropriate video aired in the first part of the show. We are diligently working to make sure something like this doesn't happen again, she told the newspaper in an email, but declined to answer questions about the offending clip. The Federal Communications Commission may find the station for the X-rated content, according to the Spokesman, uh, Spokesman Review. S Spokane? Spokesman? I guess that it is correct. The Spokesman Review which reported that the station in Roanoke, Virginia, had a similar incident in 2012. The outlet violated federal law by airing indecent programming by six, from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. When there is a reasonable risk that children may be in the audience, the FCC ruled, according to the Roanoke Times. It was ultimately fined $325,000, the highest fine ever at the time for a single incident broadcast, according to the report. You know... First off, either it's a it's a hell of a prank, or they got somebody in their news department or their production department, some staff member or something, that maybe is just a pervert and you accidentally hit the wrong button and this shit got on the air. You know what I mean? Or, again, it could be just one hell of a prank, but um, it looks like she, when she was reporting, she was doing the weather, she didn't know what was going on. It was right behind her. Ah. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this Friday. Thank you so much for checking in. Real quick, I didn't even touch up on it. I totally forgot about it, but I'll just throw it out there and save it for Monday. But if you haven't heard, Trump is starting off with a whole new social media. I am the chosen one. Uh, I, I think he calls it the truth, or he calls it truth. Try getting it out. That's what it's called. So look out for that. 
But Trump's coming back in, uh, I guess it's supposed to come out in about uh, next year. I think that's when it's coming out, next year. And already, everybody's got an opinion about it. All the left-wing media, they're trashing on the whole damn thing. They're trying to cut it down. So, I'll delve into that probably Monday. We'll see. Anyhow, again, thank you so much for stopping by. And make sure you guys have a wonderful weekend. Please stay safe out there. Don't drink and drive. And if you're in California, stay dry because it's going to come down. Make sure you got all the sandbags ready and (laughs) everything ready to go because it's going to storm. It's supposed to be a big one coming. The Pineapple Express, that's what they're calling it. So, all right. Until Monday, everybody, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm a ghost. Peace out.